This is a podcast from Rover. Rex Today. With NetSpeed. Rural, urban and everywhere in between. Afternoon, New Zealand. How are we doing today? This is Rex Today. I am Dominic George and we are here until 12.30. As always, thanks to the team at NetSpeed. Now, coming up for you in just a moment, we're going to catch up with Charles Ferguson from Fonterra about the widespread devastation across the Marlborough and Nelson regions and the effect that is having on dairy farmers in that particular region. So we will talk to Charles Ferguson about that. Then we're going to be catching up with uh, Grant Leach, who is the Chief Executive of 26 Seasons. They're an indoor farming company, and uh, they are growing fresh strawberries in winter uh, due to their uh, indoor farming system. So we'll catch up with Grant Leach and find out all about that and what is going on at 26 Seasons. It's all to come between now and 12.30 on the programme today. But first up, the widespread devastation across the Marlborough and Nelson regions is having a huge impact on dairy farmers. Now, roads right across the region are shut, blocking milk tankers from getting through and creating havoc right in the middle of calving, no less. Fonterra's regional head of the area, Charles Ferguson, joins us now. Charles, good to have you on the program. Just give us a bit of an idea, firstly, of um, how many farms you can actually get to right now and how many are cut off. Yeah, um, sure, uh, Dominic. So, look, first thing, really, really hard on farmers, right? So farmers are used to disruption from weather, right? Um, you know, every season uh, there's something happens somewhere in the country, but where it gets hard is where it where it starts to sort of elongate, which is where we're at now. Right? So up until today, uh, we have been unable to access 40 farms in the Collingwood area. So the main road um, that our tankers take sort of out of the factory in Tarkaka is closed to heavy vehicles. Uh, so we're unable to get tankers up there. And then um, we haven't been able to collect 30 farms in the Rye Valley, Canvas Town, Linkwater, Havelock um, area. I might just sort of point out, if I can, for a moment, uh, we did have some good news late last night uh, in that uh, we've worked closely with Waka Kotahi and we've been able to get two tankers in today in the Rye Valley area where we can pick up seven or eight farms whose tanker tracks are just, whose tanker tracks are straight off the main road. Right. Okay, so um, around 70 farms in total are inaccessible and you've managed to alleviate that just to a small degree, seven or eight uh, are able to uh, have milk collected from them. That's that's the situation as it stands now? That's exactly right. And we, we were in communication with those farmers last night and those tankers should be, should be heading in today or this morning. So I guess the upshot, Charles, is that uh, obviously many farms are having to uh, dump milk. That's the reality of the situation. Yeah, that is that is the reality. So, um, we what we do when we have these situations is we more or less um, you know plan on a on a on a rolling twenty four hour basis that we will get access and we'll be able to get in there and collect. Right, mm-hmm. that works for that works for a few days. Right, but at this point, um, we've actually sort of advised farmers that look, we'll be back in touch um, when. Uh, you know, we're, we're in communication on a daily basis, but we, you know, we've, we've told them we'll be back in touch when we think we'll be able to collect your milk again. So short answer is yes, there is milk being disposed on farm. Really tough um, when, you know, for a dairy farmer to be doing that. 
relatively early in the season, but just another thing that they need to be dealing with in a really tough time, and as, a, as you mentioned in your opening, right in the middle of carving as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, look, there's so many little strands to this uh, weather event and the impact that it's having, uh, Charles. I mean, farmers are also now having to investigate ways of sending their milking herds out of the area so they can be milked as well. That's another factor to, uh, to consider here. Uh, look, definitely. I mean, you know, you, strands is a good way of putting it, right? So, so yes, there, there's some farmers who have moved their herds off, hopefully temporarily. Others are actually were, were scheduled to start sending milk, like today. Mm. Uh, you know, and, and you know, because of the the, the location, right? Um, we we carve a bit later than other parts of of the country. Um, so yeah, so there's a whole lot of strands there. I spoke to, I've been talking multiple times a day to my team up in the area who tell me that um, you know even once we get through the sprint of this, especially in the Rye Valley, the impact to pasture is significant as well. So then there'll be there'll be um, focus on how our farmers are going to feed cows for the season. Exactly, yeah. Um, geez, everyone's got their work cut out, don't they? And logistically, I suspect, Charles, it's um, something that uh, involves quite a few people. De- definitely. I mean, so so we've got um, you know a significant amount of resource focused on this. We've got a, a fantastic team who work in milk collection. Right, what they are able to turn around quickly is is simply phenomenal in these situations. And they also have good relationships with Waka Kotahi which is critical, right? And you've seen the benefit of that today, getting some tankers in, um, in early, effectively. And then we have team on, teams on the ground, so our farm source people um, who, you know, who work really closely with farmers to try and get what they need. Our team work the entire weekend out of Rye Valley uh, delivering uh, supplies onto farm. Right? And we're just getting geared up now to kind of kick into trying to help with, with what's the recovery aspect. And often that's the hardest bit on farmers because right now there's a lot of attention there. It's, it's high profile and, and people are, you know, people are giving up time and to, to lend a hand. But actually, you know, it's, it's when, the, when the water subsides and things get back to normal, right, often that's the toughest time for farmers. So that's one area where we'll be really looking to support going forward. Now that's obviously, um, yeah, you preempted. I was going to ask you next about, you know, the support that is being provided to farmers right now. And obviously from a Fonterra perspective, uh, you've outlined that. And uh, also I, I note that there's other things that are uh, popping up as well, sort of like give a little pages and, and things like that, just the community trying to rally. And, and you're right when you say that it's the next it's the next phase that's, uh, you know, probably once the, the mayhem has calmed a little bit that, um, you know, that's when things really need to uh, to kick in? Oh, look, definitely. I mean, our, our number one priority right now is getting the milk collected as soon as possible. Yep. Right? So that, that's, that's our top priority. Um, and in order to help with that, we've actually got people on the ground inspecting tanker tracks and kind of roads that come off the main road to access farms because a tanker is a big bit of kit mm. that you need to be able to operate safely. So it's important that we've done that pre-work, that we're set to go. So when we can access farms, we can do it. We can do it safely, and that goes for that goes for Collingwood as well. Uh, we need to make sure farmers have got the supplies they need to get back on their feet. Then we can put some arms and legs on the ground to to help there as well, as well as uh, especially in the Rye Valley, the farm store store there is a massive part of the community. So really. 
um, pulling out all the stops to help whatever community efforts are going on. And that'll be a, a really sort of um, a strong medium-term coordination point for what needs to be done to help farmers get back on their feet. Charles Ferguson with us from Fonterra. Charles, the other thing about it, of course, is um, you know how people are actually uh, feeling at the moment, the sentiment on the ground, if you like. Um, you know, we've mentioned carving, obviously, um, but some of the devastation and the uh, the damage caused is quite phenomenal. Looking at the uh, the pictures and the the images on television and online and things like that, I mean, it really is. Um, you know, quite it was quite the event, wasn't it? Really. Uh, look, look, it was. I mean, so. Um, you know, farmers in both these regions are pretty hardy and they're used to plenty of rain, right? But mm-hmm. some of the feedback I'm had is that this is next level. And bear in mind, this didn't come off the back of a favourable winter. Right? Things were tough on farm as it was, and then this has come riding, riding in carving time. So people are fragile, right? There is, you know, there is stress, there's concern for, for right now, and there's concern for the future, right? And that's why it's really important that you know, that we really rally around that, um, that we make use of um, other support services such as Rural Support Trust and Federated Farmers uh, because, you know, it's, it's, it's incredibly tough even for these areas that are used to a bit of weather. And just finally, Charles, and I do appreciate your time, uh, what advice would you have for dairy farmers in the region at the moment as it stands? I, I guess, um, so for, for starters, um, really important that you are informed about milk collection, right? We are trying our best to communicate as crisply and clearly as possible, right? But if for whatever reason you don't feel that's hitting the mark, make a call, right? So you can call your area manager, you can call your service centre because having clarity on what's happening with your milk is critical Mm. right now. And then the other thing you really need to do is to look look after yourself and your team, right? Unfortunately, this isn't going to be over... um, you know, shortly, whether we get collecting milk or not, right? And so just taking time just to sort of think about how you're all doing, right? And 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 don't don't forget to look outwards, right? You've got neighbours, you've got loads of people who are there to support, right? And I find often farmers, when they're under these situations, they tend to kind of go way back behind the farm gate and just focus right what's in front of their feet. And there's often a lot of support out there if you ask. Very good indeed. Well, thanks so much for the update, Charles Ferguson, Fonterra Regional Head for Canterbury, Tasman and Marlborough. Keep up the good work, Charles, and thanks for your time. Thanks, Dominic. Rex, today on your Wednesday, we will chat vertical farming and growing strawberries in winter. That's up next here on Rex Today. Rex Today. With NetSpeed. Their New Zealand-based support team is ready now. Well, new research has confirmed bulls' genetics play a role in how much methane they emit, highlighting the potential for farmers to breed low-methane-emitting cows in the future. This news comes following the first year of a research program run by major New Zealand artificial breeding companies LIC and CRV. Joining us to talk about it is LIC Chief Scientist Richard Spellman. How are you, Richard? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, all, all good. Excellent. So tell us about the research, a year, um, and uh, what, what are the key things that have been found? Yeah, it's been an interesting year for us. So uh, this year we've um, been measuring all of the young bulls uh, for their methane and feed intake. And the big key thing this year was actually uh, we had enough data um, to actually analyse it and found that there's actually genetic variation. So we can explain um, a lot of the variation through genetics. So it's about 10 to 15% is the heritability of the trait at the moment which is less than what we have for milk production, 
um, but certainly a lot uh, higher than what we have for traits like uh, fertility. So that's the really important thing is that we have some variation that we can exploit through breeding and selection. Right, so the results show, I think was what the feed intake and methane emissions from over 280 bulls, they were measured and found that the uh, variation, the genetic variation and the amount of methane emitted, as you've alluded to, uh, after accounting for the feed, obviously eaten, uh, the lowest bulls emitted, what, around 15 to 20% less methane than the average? Yeah, so, so we've seen, um, so the average is usually about 22, 22 and a half um, grams of methane for every kilogram of dry matter eaten. Uh, so the most extreme bulls, you know, the poorer ones uh, produced, I think it was about 27 to 28 uh, grams um, of methane per kilogram of dry matter. And the m- more efficient ones, uh, they're about 18 um, grams uh, of methane per kilogram of dry matter. So not all of that difference is genetic. Um, so that's the key thing is that that uh, heritability tells us about of that difference of sort of um, four grams, um, about 10 to 15 percent of that will be a, of a genetic basis. OK, so early stages um, of the research, but um, clearly showing some promise. Yeah, it is. And, and the good thing now is that we now move into the next phase. So we've um, done the initial work, found that there's some genetic variation in the young bulls. But most of the, um, the dairy animals that we have in the national herd are actually uh, lactating females. So what we're doing this year, um, coming up into the um, upcoming breeding season, we're working with PAMU. So both LIC and CRV uh, will be identifying the most efficient methane bulls and the uh, the least uh, efficient ones and they'll be uh, the t- so I think we're taking about the top um, 20 uh, bulls and the lowest 20 bulls and we'll make them into a Pamu herd and generate female um, progeny and from those animals we'll be measuring them uh, in 2024 and 2025 um, to check what we see in a young bull replicates and can be validated uh, in a lactating animal. Right, so that that's really where the uh, the nub of the issue is going to uh, going to be found, really, isn't it? Um, you know, getting that that low methane breeding solution, I suppose, is how you could phrase it. Yeah, it is. That that certainly is when we will um, really find out if we have something that will offer um, a part, or offer something for farmers. So at the moment, it's, you know, we're still getting these positive ticks. That, you know, that's looking good, uh, but that's the real step. Um, if we can replicate these results and find, you know, the low daughters for methane emissions are also um, are the same as what the sires were, then we can start to sell um, semen and actually start selecting uh, for greater extremes for methane in the future. Yeah, and of course the other side to that, Richard, is the fact that um, you know it's still got to be profitable and sustainable, doesn't it? When we when we look at all these different parts of the puzzle, and um, you know, so this research in terms of uh, not not necessarily herd reduction, although there may be, but uh, certainly a flattening off, and um, we don't want milk production to uh, you know to suffer at the same time. No, and that's a very fair point. So when we in the future of methane as a trait is something we can breed for and, and uh, have benefit on farm, it will need to be balanced uh, with milk production, fertility, um, survival and health um, attributes. So 
understanding the economic uh, relationship between all of those different traits will be very important because absolutely we don't want to be disbreeding an animal or cow that's low methane but poor um, for, for fertility or milk production. So it's got to be a balanced approach. That will mean it will be probably a slower reduction in methane if you selected uh, compared to selecting for it solely. But economically, um, that animal will be the more efficient uh, if we take that approach. Very good. Well, thanks for the update. Really appreciate it. LIC Chief Scientist Richard Spellman. We'll talk again soon, I'm sure. Thank you. Yep. Thanks. Thanks very much, John. We talk World Iron Awareness Week next here on Rex Today. Rex Today. With NetSpeed. Internet solutions for everyone and their dog.